The words teach us, teach us appear in the scriptures several times. And each time those words appear, they highlight something that is very, very important for individuals such as you and I to take note of. For example, in Judges 13, verse 5, we read these words, Teach us what we shall do unto the child. Teach us what we shall do unto the child. And in the scripture, there is much instruction for parents as to how to raise their children, train up a child in the way that he should go. Fathers, provoke not your children unto wrath. And there are various other parts of the word of God, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, where it tells parents to give the word of God to their children. In Psalm 78, to share it with the next generation. And we have much instruction, and we need great instruction, because we're living in a world today where there's so many voices telling us how to live, and so many voices telling us what's best for our children. But if you're a parent here today, then I give you this advice. Turn to the Word of God. Let no other voice have any precedence over the Word of God, but rather come to God's Word. Raise your children under the Word and according to the Word, and you'll know a blessing. Then we read in Isaiah 2 verse 3, it says, He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. You see, the Lord wants to teach each individual believer how to live for him. And it's good to be able to read books about Christian matters. It's good even to listen to sermons. But we ought to be coming to the word of God and seeking the will of God in our lives. God has a plan for each of our lives I wonder this morning, are you in the center of the will of God? Are you where God wants you to be, believer? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you living how God would have you to live? The Bible says he will teach us of his ways. Sad reality is sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we're too busy to read the word of God. I wonder this morning before you came to the house of God, did you open this book and seek the face of God, seek the will of God? Do you know that in this society today, there's so much noise, so much information coming at us at all times. We often get into the car and either turn on the radio or put on music. You come home, a television's on in the background or there's music on in the background. And you know what? There's very few people actually just sit in silence or work in silence or go about their business in silence. We haven't time to think. We haven't time to sit and consider where we are before God. What the Lord has said to us that morning, to meditate upon it, we we haven't time. And I encourage God's people to turn off those things and spend some time mulling God's word over in your mind, meditating upon it, and even lifting your heart to him as you go about your daily business. We also read in Luke 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. And how we need the Lord to teach us not just how to pray, and that is instructed in the word of God, but Lord, teach us to pray. How important it is. You know, we will never see any work done for the Lord in any church unless it's first faith in prayer. And you'll never become more like your Savior unless you're in the place of prayer. And therefore, may the Lord write upon each and every one of our hearts and teach us the importance of prayer. But when we come to Psalm 90, we find another one of these statements. Teach us, and it's found in verse Number 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts onto wisdom. The word teach means help us to be aware, 
to discern, to understand. And what is it that we're to be aware of? To understand or to discern. It is to number our days. And the word number, it means to weigh out or to prepare. And therefore, we could read it in this way. Lord, help us to understand that our days are given to us. And we need to weigh them out and acknowledge that they're brief. We need to acknowledge that they're limited. And therefore, in light of that, help us to make decisions that are wise. I wonder if you ever stopped and thought about your days. How long your life is going to be. How far through life you are already. Have you ever wondered how much more have I got of this life to live? I want us to think about our life today. I want us to do exactly what the scripture tells us to do, to number our days, to weigh them out, to study them, and see what lessons we can learn. First of all, we notice in scripture the bounds of our days, the bounds of our days. Whenever we think of the fact that God has given us life, we acknowledge the power of God. The fact that you're sitting here this morning is a testament to the fact that God has created. And whenever we look at our bodies and whenever you go into the very insight of how a body is made up, when we think about the, the eye and the wisdom of the eye and how it's able to focus and how it's able to adjust to light and how it's able to move in the direction uh, of the object that it wants to look at and to process everything. It's a marvel of God's creation. Then we move to the mind. Greater than any computer that's ever been built upon this earth, we have the mind. That computer that God has put inside every man. We have the veins, the capillaries, the organs, and every single one of these things we could take, we could preach upon, and talk about the wonder and the marvel of God. But let's sum it up in this way. In his wisdom, God created life. God created life. And that's true of our physical being, but we also have to say God is the giver also of spiritual life. We're born into this world dead in trespasses and sin. We're born as sinners. We're born as rebels against the holy God, as enemies against the holy God. We're born in the broad road that's leading to hell and to destruction. We're born spiritually dead. Oh yes, you've life this morning. You're sitting in God's house. You're breathing physically. But there's no spiritual life. God alone is the giver of life. There are people today and they're going to churches hoping that they will have eternal life. They're giving into the church. They're baptized. They're christened. They're members. All of these things. And they're giving themselves to religion hoping to please God. The Bible tells us that you must be born again. Born again of the Spirit of God. And therefore my prayer is that if you're not saved this morning, that you will have this life given to you. That this will be a birthplace this morning. That you'll be born again as a child of God. But can I say this? He alone can create life. And he alone is the one who's ordained to take life. The Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away. And knowing that the Lord is wise. And that the Lord is good. Job went on to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We're living in a day whenever life is treated 
as a cheap thing. We're living in a day whenever we have a government that has legislated the murder of life. Because make no mistake about it, in the sight of God, there is no difference in murder outside of the womb than inside the womb. For God has given life. And we wonder at the hardness of the hearts of man. And we wonder the foolishness of people who are promoting and legislating for this grievous sin. Many today have blood on their hands and will have to stand before God and give an account of the decisions they made in this regard. We not only see the power of God in the bounds of our days, but we see the providence of God because God has ordained every single aspect of our lives. God has ordained the place you were born, the very time you were born, the generation into which you were born, the very family in which you were born, and the circumstances of your birth. All of these things were planned by a holy and a wise God. I hear people saying sometimes, you know, oh, wouldn't it have been great to live during the revival, or wouldn't it be great to live in C.H. Spurgeon's time and be part of that, and wouldn't it be great to live even in the Bible times? But you know what? In the wisdom of God, God has created you and given you the opportunity to live in this time. God has a plan for your life now. And it's nice to look back, and it's good to look back, and to see what has happened in the past, and to learn from the past, and to be encouraged by what has happened in the past. But don't live your life looking backwards. God hasn't changed. God is able, God is powerful. And what people seem to feel, or what people feel to seem to realize, is the fact that in Spurgeon's day and in the days of revival and many of those biblical uh, exciting times whenever the Lord was moving in such a mighty way, the people were living for the Lord, the people were in prayer, the people were fully surrendered unto the Lord. Friend, if we are fully surrendered unto the Lord. We're men and women of prayer. God will do those things again. We seem to think it's easier in other times. God's grace is sufficient today. God is able today. And God's people can be as richly blessed today if they will be found in the center of as well. So God has ordained the place that you're living in. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So your duty today is to honor the Lord and to be found in the place he would have you to be. But God has also detailed the very second of your death. God has detailed the very second when you will pass from this scene of time, when your soul will be separated from your body and you will go into eternity. Now, I can't tell you when that's going to be for me, And you don't know when it's going to be for you. But I know this. None can go past the bounds of God. We'll not live one hour longer than God has ordained that we will live upon this earth. And therefore there's a limit of time. Life is for a limited time. It's not forever. And yet there's people today. And they're living as if they're going to live forever. They're making policies for the future, for their retirement. They have plans for next year. They've taken out a mortgage maybe in the past week or two because they're convinced 
They've got all those years ahead of them. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Can I also say, life is precious. Life is a precious gift from God. God has given you life within your body. He's given you a sound mind. He has given you the ability to walk and to talk and to reason and all of those things. A friend, don't waste this precious gift. What will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You see, that soul that God has given will be returned to him. And you'll have to give an account for how you've lived. And therefore, don't live your life going after that which you have to give up at death. Don't go after that which is going to fail you at death. But go after that which is eternal. Go after that which is worthy of your trust. Because your life is going to come to an end. That's the bound of our days. Secondly, let's think about the brevity of our days. What do we mean by that? I mean the shortness of our days. Think of the descriptions that we find in Scripture. We've read here already in chapter 10, or sorry, chapter 90 of Psalms and verse number 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be Four score years, yet is our strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. The average age in our time, taking all the world into consideration, the developed countries and those that are not as developed, is still 70 years, just as God has ordained it to be. Some people get 80 years, some get 90, some even reach the 100 mark. But you speak to someone who's 100 and you ask them about life, they'll say it's just a flash. It's just a flash. I know there are moments whenever it seems like forever when you're waiting on something. But I think we can all agree when we look back, life is swift. The Bible says in verse number 9, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. There's a beginning, there's a middle and an end. The story's told, the book's closed and put away. I often think whenever I'm driving uh, through my hometown of Castle Dawson or sometimes when walking down the street in Belfast, I wonder who was here 100 years ago. What were they doing? What was their business? What, were, what did it look like then? I think it's fascinating. Sometimes you see up on Facebook, uh, there's some uh, group that put up photos of Belfast 100 years ago, 110 years ago. It's absolutely fascinating. Those people were walking about doing their business, important people known in that area. But friend, you go there now and ask who was living here 100 years ago. Nobody knows. And if the Lord tarries for another 100 years, there'll be people sitting in your pew right now and they'll not have a clue who you were or who I was. You see, we're just a tale that's told. One of many will pass away. The Bible talks about the grass which groweth up in verse number 5. In the morning it flourisheth, verse 6, groweth up in the evening is cut down and withereth. The grass doesn't last very long and that's like the life of a man. Reading scripture of the vapor in the book of James and the vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. And you know what it's like. The, the kettle's coming to a boil. All of a sudden, the, some water vapor comes out and the steam comes out. And within about 10 seconds, it's all gone. That's the brevity of life. 
from God's point of view in eternity. Oh, it's so swift. It's so short. But you know your life can come to an end very quickly. Turn with me, keep your hand there, but turn with me to Luke's Gospel in the chapter number 12. And we're at a harvest time and we want to think for a few moments about a man who had, who had a great harvest. And it says there in verse number 15, the Lord said unto them, take heed, Luke twelve fifteen, and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my goods. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. This man was hardworking. And friend, that's not a sin. This man was forward-thinking and he was a planner. And planning and forward-thinking is not sin either. But what was this man's sin? He forgot about the spiritual. He forgot about God. He forgot about the word of God. He forgot about Psalm 90. Teach us the number of days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You see, this man had a soul, but he only labored for the body. What does he say? This night, or what does he say? Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, but all they were were physical. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. It's nice to have things. And God has blessed us in this land with food and with homes and with a car and all of those things. My friend, what about your soul? You may live in the greatest comfort in Market Hill, but what about your soul? What about your home in eternity? What about that destination? Is that going to be a place of great blessing or a place of absolute devastation? Not only did he focus on the physical, he also presumed on tomorrow. For many years, I, like you this week, have opened a diary and made plans. And some of those plans have actually been for 2024. But I acknowledge that every single one of those plans must be written with the letters DV, God willing, in the will of the Lord. Because I can't guarantee that I'll be preaching in my own church tonight. I don't know what the next moment holds. But this man had a limited time and rather than face up to that, he just lived as, and planned as if he was going to live forever. And here he left God out. God's word wasn't acknowledged. God's presence wasn't acknowledged. God's gifts weren't acknowledged. God's blessing wasn't acknowledged. And God's salvation 
wasn't of interest to him. Let me ask you something. Have you lived your life up to this moment and God's salvation has been of absolutely no interest to you? (gasps) Preacher, I come to church. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, have you received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? I'm asking you, have you repented at the command of God? I'm asking you, have you received the, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse from your sin? Are you trusting in the finished work of Calvary? That's what I'm asking you today. You see, we can think of the examples of Scripture, men like this. He got up that morning, presuming on many years, and that night we're in eternity. But friend, let's think of the personal witness. Let's think of the personal witness. Death is all around us. We know of people in their senior years, and I've told you a few moments ago, it's just a flash. I've been to funerals of people in their 90s. But I've also been to funerals of babies, infants, children, teenagers, those who've died in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. I have seen the reality. As a loved one has been taken, as have you. And what do we do honestly before God at times like that? We try and put it out of our mind, don't we? And keep going on. You know whenever you feel ill within your body. And whenever the doctor says you need to go for tests. The thought comes to the back of your mind, could this be serious? Could I be dying? And for a few days, whenever you're waiting on those things, or you're waiting for the test, or you're waiting for the results, there's a solemnity in your thinking. There's a seriousness in your thinking. And yet, maybe they come back okay. Or maybe you get better from the illness you had. And what happens? Then you go on and you forget about those things. Death's a subject that will stop the laughter. It's a subject that will bring solemnity into any conversation, but it's also a subject that most people avoid at all costs. Because it's too real. Friend, you do that at your peril because you don't have to be old today. And you don't have to be sick today. And you don't have to be weak today. But let me tell you this, you need to be saved. You need to be saved if you're going to be in heaven. You're need to, you're going, you need to be saved because if you're not saved when you die, you'll not be absent from the body present with the Lord. It'll be absent from the body and found in the darkness of hell. I remember... Some years ago, going to visit someone in the hospital out of my congregation who was dying. And I've seen so many times whenever God has given special grace to his children as they come near the end of life's journey. And I remember sitting in the room with that dear man. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I'll be home very soon. I'm going to see the face of Jesus. And there was no tremor in his voice. 
There wasn't any rebelling against what was happening. He had a peace. He had an anticipation that he was going to be with the Lord. As I walked out of that hospital room, I was walking past one of the wards and the door was open. And around one of the beds, the curtains were pulled and there was a number of people kneeling round the bed. But in the bed, there was someone who was dying. And they were screaming out, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm afraid. And the terror of that voice ringing round that hospital ward. And people sitting all around the side and they could do absolutely nothing. They could do absolutely nothing. Yes, they were praying for the person, but they couldn't save the person. The person to come to the end of life's journey. Soul going into hell. What a difference. What a difference for a saint taking their last steps and reaching home. And a sinner taking their last steps falling into hell. We thought about the bounds of our days. We thought about the brevity of our days. Finally, as we ask the Lord to teach us the number of days that we may apply our hearts on to wisdom, let us think of the blessings of our days. If you're here today and you're saved, God has richly blessed you and the Lord has given you now an opportunity to be in service to him. We're thinking about the harvest season. And in the harvest field, the farmer prepares the ground and he sows the seed and he does all those things necessary to produce a harvest. And the Lord has chosen in his wisdom to use human instruments just like you and just like me to be workers in the harvest field. To be laborers. To bring in those who are lost in the fields of sin. I wonder today... Are you serving him? I wonder today in this church that the Lord has called you to be a member of, are you faithful? Are you in the prayer meeting? Are you here morning and evening? Did you support the mission? Do you commit to going out each week trying to bring on saved in, remembering that you may be the Christian influence that the Lord has put in their life? When was the last time you asked your unsaved family in the church? Oh, the preacher, you don't know. It's hard, and they've said no before. Go again. Go again. They have a soul to be saved. Go again. You could be at their funeral this week. Friend, go again and serve. In your workplace, in your school, are you living as a Christian not to live? Do they have something of the beauty of the Lord? Do they see it in your life? That's what the psalmist prayed. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Verse 17. And establish thou the work of our hands. Are you working for him? See, the night is coming when no man can work. Sometime opportunity will be ended. Remember a man I spoke to some years ago and I met him at his bedside and again he was coming to the end of life's journey and 
He was crying one day and I said, what's wrong? He said, I've lived my life and I've done so little for the Lord. I was shocked by that. As I looked at this man's life, I saw a man who served the Lord. I saw a man who was in attendance in every meeting, a man who drove the bus to bring the children in, a man who was at the prayer meetings, a man who sang for the Lord, a man who did all of these things. And he said, yes, but whenever I look at all the time I had in life and all the time I give to the Lord, I feel I've robbed the Lord. I haven't given him what he really deserved in my life. And that man sobbed his heart out. Friend, don't get to the end of your life with wasted years. While you have your health and your ability, you can serve him. Praise God, even though the health may decline and the ability to be out may decline, you can still pray. You can still be a help in the work of God. You can still lift your minister up in prayer. You can still lift the missionary up in prayer. You can still pray for the children, for your family, for the unsaved. And praise God for many faithful saints who have never stood in the pulpit and preached. But I'll tell you, they are known in heaven. They prayed. And their seats are growing empty. We need people to come and take up the baton. Dear believer, there's a work for you to do in the work of God. And you pray and you seek God until that is revealed to you and then do it with all your heart. These are precious days to walk with God. And their precious days to work for God. But unsaved as we come to a conclusion. These days are a blessing because these are days of opportunity for you. An opportunity for you to be saved. And I wonder how many opportunities have you missed? How many Sunday school classes have you sat in? Youth fellowship meetings? Gospel missions? Morning service, evening service, Easter convention. Many mission halls have you attended. Many gospel rallies have you been under. And yet this morning in God's house you are not saved. God says my spirit will not always strive with man. You will not always have an opportunity. You will not always be able to come to the house of God. Friend, there's danger. There's death and delay. Hell's just up ahead. And I beg you and I urge you, flee from the wrath to come. Whenever God closed the door in the ark, there was no more opportunity for people to be saved. And I'm sure as the waters fell and they started to rise up and people realized that God's word was true and Noah had been a faithful preacher of righteousness, And that this was the only way of salvation and the judgment of God. I am sure that they banged at the door and they banged at the side of the ark and they played it. Noah, let us in. Let us in. We believe you now. Friend, it was too late. It was too late. You see, the moment your soul goes under hell, it's too late. No preacher will come along and play with your soul. No congregation will sing just as I am without one plea. No gospel track will be placed into your hand. Because opportunity is over. Friend, number your days. 
Number your days, realize they're limited, realize they're brief, and realize that this day could be the final one you have. And apply your heart on to wisdom. I know people who say, I'll get saved later. That is one of the greatest tactics of hell. Because you don't know you've got a later. Heard of a woman who'd asked for the preacher to come and speak to her. She's concerned about her soul. And whenever the preacher went that evening, a relative answered the door. I said, no preacher, we don't need you. But this individual's asked to speak to me. No, no, we don't want you disturbing her. She's very low. The preacher wasn't allowed in. If today the Lord will call you from this scene of time, where are you going to be? Don't tell me I'm a free Presbyterian because it doesn't matter. Don't tell me I'm a Protestant or anything else. All I want you to be able to tell me is that you've been to the Savior. You've confessed that you're a sinner. You've repented of that sin. And you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you and to cleanse you in his precious blood. And the wonderful promise of the gospel is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friend, you can be saved today. You can be saved before you leave the seat you're sitting in. Bow your head and call on the Lord. Don't give one more day to sin and to Satan. Don't give one more day to your wild movement toward hell. But this day, turn unto the Lord. Repent of your sin and call on Jesus to save you. Apply your heart unto wisdom. May God give you grace to do that today. Thank God's servant for bringing that very solemn word to our heart this morning. Let me just conclude with singing of 734. Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness. I wonder, child of God, are you still sowing? Are you still working for the Master? We leave the exhortation of that third verse. Go then ever. Keep going. Go again. Weeping, sowing for the Master. Let's stand and sing verses 1 and 3 of 734.
thank thee for thy word. We thank thee, Lord, for the truth of it. We pray, Lord, that we might understand even the number of our days. We might apply our hearts unto wisdom. O God, we've seen, Lord, the boundaries are there. Boundary that we cannot step over. We've seen, Lord, the brevity of our life. Lord, the blessing of these days. But they're yet days of grace. They're yet days to serve our master. Days to sow the good seed and to water it with our tears. We pray, Lord, that thou would be pleased to write this word in our heart this morning. Oh, God, we pray that thou would give the siding grace for that loved one yet unseen, yet unprepared to meet the great eternity and to meet God. And I pray, Lord, even this harvest service morning, I would do that work of grace in some soul. Lord, I would bring them to Christ. Answer prayer. Part us with thy blessing. In thy fear, Lord. And Lord, in thy will, in thy will, bring us back again tonight. For we ask these things in our Savior's precious name.